Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 95, glad to be back. Uh, last week I was going to do an episode, but it was a holiday in my part of the world, and I just decided to uh, take a break. Although I have to say it was uh, tough to do so because <clears throat> after the uh, playoff draw, World Cup playoff draw on Friday, I was very disappointed. I had some things that I wanted to say, but I still decided not to do it. And then, of course, we had the whole situation on Saturday with uh, Bissad and Benfica. But I'm glad I didn't because had I talked about it this weekend, there's been so many updates since that it probably worked out well that I'm just putting one now. And um, busy schedule ahead with uh, the Derby. Uh, we've also got a Braga Estoril this weekend. That's a very good match. We got Porto going to Portimonense. We got Champions League back. Very important uh, matches coming up with uh, Porto at home to Atletico. Benfica at home to Dynamo Kiev needing a result also with Bayern and Barcelona, and I'm going to talk all about that in a few minutes. We've also got Braga playing next Thursday as well uh, in the Europa. They win they win their group, which I, if I believe is true, is very important in the, uh, the uh, draw for the Europa in the next stage if they wind up winning uh, their uh, group. Uh, then next weekend, we return with that Liga Action 14. And then the following midweek, Dasa the Liga. We know already clubs like uh, Sporting are in good shape. Porto uh, are not a, a possible mathematically to qualify. Benfica is really the, the one to look out for. They need a lot of goals against Covilla at home um, to try to overcome Vitoria Guimarães. Uh, then, of course, we'll have uh, week 15. And then after that, right before the holidays, we'll have the Taça de Portugal. Then we'll have the holidays. And then we come back right after that. Boom, another Liga B win action at the end of the month, followed by a big Clásico, Porto and Benfica. So... Buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a very good, busy amount of matches this month, which is what I love. I know managers don't like that, but I think we, the fans, uh, do. Uh, a lot of very important matches in Europe, a lot of important matches domestically, not to mention everything going on in the weekend uh, with uh, the uh, Liga. So I'll be talking a little bit later about this whole Benfica B-side situation, some things that you probably don't know about that I want to bring up. Talk a little bit about the uh, World Cup uh, playoff. Uh, I'm going to talk in a few moments about my picks. Um, so a lot of things to talk about. But let me start first talking about, of course, uh, this weekend. And obviously all the attention is on the uh, Derby. And, and it's a very uh, interesting week in Portugal because of COVID. Uh, we already had uh, two matches that are postponed. Uh, we saw the tundela Moreirense match uh, postponed. Tundela has uh, their entire squad in COVID isolation uh, protocols. Moreirense, which, uh, you know, just let go of their manager, Juan Enrique. Uh, the report is, although as of this recording, it hasn't been official, Litu Vidigal, who's been around the league a bit, um, he's supposed to be the new manager. But that match won't be taking place on Saturday. And also, just a short time ago, it was confirmed also that Vizela Bisad, Bilanenche Sad Bisad, as I call them, that match is also uh, being uh, postponed, and that's actually breaking news right now as I do this uh, episode. Uh, Bizella not happy that it took this long, uh, that they didn't get a um, you know communication from B-side. I don't know. Everyone's always upset when you don't get a phone call 
But uh, so at the end of the day, of all the matches this weekend, we've got two matches that won't be taking place that'll have to be pushed off for another day. But COVID situations are happening. It's certainly affecting sporting with the Derby with uh, Sebastian Quach. Uh He is out. He was the only one that tested uh, positive on sporting. Sporting already has out uh, Juan Palina. So sporting goes into the Derby and Luge a little bit short-handed. Benfica's tests, as of this recording, everything came back uh, negative. Um, you know, there was a lot of concern after them playing B-Sad this weekend. And most of B-Sad, by the way, is currently in isolation protocols that there might be some issues. But at the end of the day, that doesn't happen. And um, it's a very interesting uh, derby. Um, if uh, Sporting win, they continue to stay undefeated in uh, domestic competition. Um, and I, but if Benfica win, and, and I think that's going to be my prediction that they will win when I do my picks here in a few minutes, uh, this obviously will help them to try to get back up in top of the lead, depending on what Porto does at Portimonense. Uh, Porto, again, will be at Portimonense. Porto has uh, beaten Portimonense, I think, the last seven times. Uh, Sergio Conceição has like a ridiculously good record against teams from the Algarve, something like 13 for 13 in wins. When you take into account uh, Portimonense, uh, Ferenc, and if you remember a few years ago, Olianense, uh, you know, he's uh, managed to during his time as manager, not just at Porto, but Guimarães, and I think it was also Academica. Uh, he's had a lot of success against clubs uh, from the Algarve uh, region. But another great match this weekend is Braga Estoril. Uh, these are two teams right now that are battling for fourth and fifth place. Braga right now is sits. In fourth place uh, by one point over Estoril, but obviously an opportunity for Braga, which is, look, it's a disappointing season for Braga in the Liga, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, they expect it to be challenging for the top three, and right now they are nine points off of Benfica, who's in third place. So this is a very disappointing result, and essentially they're really playing right now for fourth place unless something, you know, unless they go on a major streak of results, beat the big three when they're supposed to, Maybe that'll give them hope for maybe a third place with the uh, playoff in the Champions League. But right now, they are way off, nine points. And, and honestly, I, I don't really see it. But I definitely see them as being the team in fourth place. And um, that's a very good match uh, this weekend. And Braga, again, with an opportunity to build a four-point buffer on Estoril. Estoril, if Estoril wants to be taken seriously, well, this is your chance to be taken seriously if you could beat a Braga and really stake your claim to being the fourth best team uh, in Liga this uh, season. Uh, we had some managerial changes this week in the Liga. We saw Petit, uh, basically the new manager at Boavista. So he was at BSAT earlier in the season. Uh, so now he's at Boavista. The manager at Boavista took uh, a major offer, just like Daniel Ramos did, uh, if you remember about a month ago with Santa Clara. <clears throat> Again, that just tells you about the amount of money that managers make that when a big opportunity comes from the Middle East, it, it's just hard to say no. It's hard to tell these uh, managers, oh, no, you can't go. You're the manager of this team. It's, it doesn't work that way. It's just not fair. You wouldn't do it to somebody in your world if, if somebody had a chance to go to a job and make, I'm not exaggerating when I say maybe 10 times more than what they would make in uh, Portugal. Um, you know, you wouldn't stop anybody from that. At least I don't think you would unless you got a, an airtight uh, contract. But Petit is uh, the new manager now at uh, Boa Vista. Uh, he used to play for Boa Vista many years ago, of course, in his uh, younger days. I remember that well. Um, I think he might have been, I believe he was on the team that won the Liga, I think, with Boa Vista, if I was uh, correct. So he's going back to a place 
Uh, whereas a player, he did have some success, and that propelled them to the national team and uh, Benfica. Uh, another good match this weekend is uh, Santa Clara, Roca. Um, I think that's Santa Clara uh, with a, a good win last week. Uh, they're looking to climb out of the bottom. Uh, right now, they're, uh, uh, actually, Santa Clara is still sitting in last place, but they're, they're really trying to do everything they can to uh, get out. Uh, last week, uh, they were actually playing Estoril and, uh, at Estoril, and they were leading 2-1 to one late, so correction on that, they actually drew. But to be honest, you would draw at Estoril is really not that bad if you're Santa Clara. But Santa Clara still sits at the bottom, and uh, they'll be hosting Aroca this weekend. Another good match is Passos de Ferreira and uh, Vitoria Guimarães, two teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack. A bit disappointing. I think both teams expected a little bit better, especially Guimarães, which for the longest time feels they're the fourth biggest team in Portugal. And that might be true in size and support, but so far the results haven't really showed that in the past uh, 10 years or so. Uh, but Passos and Vitoria, Guimarães is a, a very good match. And we, of course, said Portimonense Porto. Um, I think the only match that I didn't mention was Gil Vicente taking on Familia Cong. Um, that's the other match uh, this weekend. And again, I'll have my uh, picks here in a few minutes. And then after that, uh, next week, we get going right away into the Champions League. And let, and let me just say, congratulations to Sporting with one match they left qualifying. Um, anytime you're a Portuguese team and you can do that, that's just a major congratulations to regardless of whatever color they are. Major, major accomplishment. Beating a team that what is perennially considered the second best team in the Bundesliga at home in convincing fashion in front of a big crowd. They were expecting 50. I think they only got 41,000. And by the way, what is that in Portugal in the newspapers saying they're always going to be like with Portugal, Serbia. Everyone said there was going to be 60. There wound up only being 56. But I always wonder where people get the idea that there's going to be so much more fans, especially in these uh, COVID times. But, uh, you know, um, big, big result for sporting in front of still a very good amount of fans, 41,000. They will now go into this uh, next match day uh, when they head over to Amsterdam to play Ajax. Uh, basically, what it comes down to for Sporting is they're playing for pride. Um, Ajax has already won the group. Sporting has already qualified. But again, they're a Portuguese team. Winning the three points means you earn more money in the Champions League pot. And that's going to be something that's Sporting. You know, well, Marine, I can tell you right now what he's going to say next week before the uh, press conference. Um, I think it's going to be pretty obvious. He's going to sit there and he's going to say they're going to they play always to win. They do not play to draw and that they're going there for the three points to redeem themselves over the ugly uh, first loss that they had, uh, you know, at the beginning of the Champions League group when they, you know, lost very ugly at home. But this is a match that's going to be played in front of an empty stadium because of COVID protocols going on in, ha in Amsterdam, in Holland. And at the end of the day, I think best case scenario for Sporting, they walk away with a draw. That's a pretty darn good result, let me tell you. That's a very, very good result. Ten points earns you a pretty good amount of money out of Champions League money. I think it's something like one and a half million per point you get, something like that. That would be pretty good for Sporting. But Sporting's got it wrapped up. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, João Virginia is the goalkeeper, Braganza in the midfield. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if our Marines take some chances and play some of the younger players, if only to get them that experience, which they could then use in the Liga. Uh, Amarine was asked today uh, in his uh, pre-match presser before the Derby about you know playing young players, and he basically said, 
you know, when players like Quats are not available in Palinha, that there are other players that he could resort to because they have experience playing in Portugal in these type of matches, and he relies on that from the younger players, that they have a lot of experience. And you can only get more experience by playing, so I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up playing you know, some of these uh, younger players in the Ajax match. Because, again, it really means nothing, but it does mean something for money. But I still think Sporting's going to do that. Um, the other big match, of course, is on that uh, Tuesday as well. Porto at home to Atletico Madrid. And Porto is in a very dangerous situation. Right now, they've got some injuries. But I think they're going to be okay for uh, next week. But the biggest thing with Porto is, it, you know, if Porto beats Atletico and they control their destiny, boom. They automatically qualify. They do it in front of their uh, home fans in the Estadio do Dragon. A beautiful night up north in Portugal. But if they lose, Atletico qualifies. And then if Milan beats Liverpool, Porto could be out of Europe entirely, not even make it to qualify for Europa if they lose an AC Milan uh, win. Um, so it's very dangerous. I mean, that is a very dangerous, you know, that match is going to be, um, that match, by the way, next week, that's the eight o'clock match in Portugal, 20 hundred hours. The emotions of kicking the match off at 20 hundred hours, eight o'clock, and then what you could be experiencing two hours later could either be utter, you know, absolute happiness for qualifying, uh, nervous happiness that you did manage to qualify because, you drew with Atletico and Milan also drew. Or worst case scenario, which would be devastating to the money. It's devastating just to the, the identity of Porto that after these last few years, as well as they have played in the Champions League, and I said it last year, they were a better team in the Champions League than they were in the Liga, even though they haven't lost in the Liga since last October of 2020. But my point is, is... It's just, it's just so much is riding on the line with one game, but they control their destiny. It's totally up to them. A lot of times Portuguese teams have to settle for third place and go to Europa, but here is an opportunity for a Portuguese team, much like sporting, to control their destiny, which, by the way, Benfica can't say. Because even if Benfica wins, they still need some help from uh, Bayern. So this is a very, very nervous match on Tuesday. You know, again, sporting gets to go to Amsterdam a little bit more calmer. Porto is going to essentially be playing what I would say right now is their most important match of the year because there's a lot of money riding in this. Not to mention the fact that they could run the risk of being thrown out of Europe entirely if Milan win and Porto uh, lose. So this is dangerous. This is very dangerous. And by the way, this is not good news for anybody in uh, Portugal. I know a lot of people that hate Porto would love to see this happening so they could have a good laugh, you know, put out a tweet or an Instagram post or a group chat to their friends who like these, uh, you know, or Benfica or Sporting to give it to their Porto rivals. There's nothing good about a Portuguese team not being able to still be playing in Europe when it comes to February and March. There is nothing, nothing good about that. And if you're doing that and you just don't care, I respect your, you know, it's just, it's just tribalism and it does nothing good for Portuguese football. So at the end of the day, we got to wish uh, Porto the best of luck. This doesn't affect the Liga in any way. This is about Portugal. And I think you know we need Porto to go there and grab the uh, you know to grab the uh, win. We want them to win, and not have to do anything nervous. Where if they draw, they've got to be paying attention to what's going on. Liverpool, who knows what they're going to bring to Italy to Milan? Um, Milan's still going to play a decent team. They may rest some of their players, 
but you know, especially a team like uh, Liverpool, which you know is already a team with a lot of money, they may not necessarily see it worth to play their best players over a million, you know, to get the three points. Again, I might be wrong, but uh, you know that might be on uh, that kind of hurts Porto because that puts Milan in the situation at home in a better position uh, to win. So we'll see what happens with that. And then Wednesday, we of course have the big situation, and it's very simple for Benfica. They need to beat Dynamo Kiev at home. And if they beat Dynamo at home, they need Bayern to beat, uh, you know, Barcelona. And uh, it's very simple. If Benfica win, which I would say they are the favorites, Dynamo Kiev only has uh, one point. Um, but if Bayern could beat or draw, then that puts Benfica in the position to qualify if Benfica beat Dynamo Kiev. So Benfica has to do two things. They got to win and they've got to get a little bit of help from their German friends who already pounded them in two matches. Maybe this time they'll pay it back nicely and, and maybe they'll beat Barcelona. But Barcelona, again, we know that this is not a great Barcelona team. They've had a change in manager. Xavi's there. Who knows if what he's trying to get them to do will be effective at this time. He hasn't spent a whole lot of time with this squad. Um, but then again, we're talking about Barcelona. These players, if they're playing at Barcelona, are top-notch. They know what's up for grabs. And I think that's a very important. Worst case situation for Benfica, they know they're playing in the Europa League, which, you know, again, do you want to be playing in the Europa League in March? I don't think a lot of Benfica fans want to, especially if you don't wind up playing your best players in light of the fact you want to make sure that you have your best and strongest lineup on the weekend for the Liga. But, um, you know, worst case scenario, we know Benfica is still going to be playing in uh, Europe. But at the end of the day, I think we want to see Benfica win, and we want to see, hopefully, Bayern uh, do something at home. I believe that match, by the way, is another match coming up that's going to basically involve uh, no fans in the stadium, if I recall correctly. I, I'm pretty sure I read that uh, recently. And then, of course, on Thursday, uh, we've got Braga. And it's very simple for uh, Braga. Um, basically, a situation where if they win, if Braga wins, then they win the group, and essentially they get to go into the seeding for the Europa draw in a very, very good shape. If they lose, um, then it gets a little bit tricky for them because then they've got to hope that that Dutch team, Midland, uh, and I'm probably not saying that right, I'm sorry, but if that Dutch, if that uh, Danish team, excuse me, loses, then Braga will still qualify as the uh, second place team if Braga loses. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, Braga is going to be playing at home they're going to want to go for the uh, three points. Uh, there's not a lot of money to be made, but there is still some money to be made in the Europa. Otherwise, they're going to be like Benfica scoreboard watching, hoping that the uh, Danish team uh, doesn't win. So it's a bit of a tough situation. Disappointing result last week, losing the way they did. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, it just it just was. It was just downright disappointing. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that. Um, <clears throat> Moving along here to some other news in uh, Portugal before I get to my picks. Uh, Taça de Portugal draw. Um, Porto, Benfica. Um, I actually had a feeling, um, and I had I done a podcast last week, and again, I know I could say this, and you're not going to believe me. I was thinking there was going to be a big three matchup, and uh, in this case, it turned out to be uh, Porto-Benfica. Uh, it's just a hellish month for those two teams, and now they've got to play each other, and one of those teams going into Christmas is going to be knocked out. Now, this is a great thing for fans because having this draw on the Taça de Portugal, what's, what's pretty good about it is we get to have, much like we did last year, if you remember, with the Super Cup, 
which was also played two days before uh, Christmas. Uh, we now see a situation where we get a big-time matchup two days before Christmas, almost like an early uh, Christmas uh, gift. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's going to be, uh, you know, pretty exciting. So that's going to take place uh, right before Christmas, not anytime soon in the uh, next two weeks, but it's worth mentioning that. Uh, Vizela is going to be hosting Braga. Sporting is going to be going to Casa Pia. Um, that's a bit of an interesting uh, situation because that's where Ruben Amorim began his managerial career after he retired from football in 2017. Uh, so the Tasa de Portugal draw, again, a very, very good draw um, in terms of getting this exciting matchup. Uh, other things of interest, I saw that the two teams from the fourth division, uh, Lessa and Perez, are playing each other, so one of them is going to cancel each other out. Uh, Familia Kong playing Portimonense. We got Tundela, Estoril. Uh, we've got Mafra, Moreirense. We've got, um, and of course, Rio Ave, uh, Bisad. Uh, they are also uh, playing. So that, again, is going to be coming up the week before, uh, well, actually a few days before we get going with uh, Christmas. Uh, Tasa the Liga, by the way, um, we go into next week, middle of the week with the Champions League. Then we've got Tasa the Liga the following weekend. And I'll talk a little bit more about that um, as well uh, next uh, week. But let's go to the second division report. By the way, what a great match on Monday. Benfica B beating Estrela Madura 6-3. Of course, it was very controversial. I think at one point, um, Astrid Madura at halftime threatened, if I, if I read correctly, not to come out because they were very disappointing, disappointed with the refereeing. But at the end of the day, I think that's probably the most goals scored by a team in the second division this season in one match. Six goals, Benfica B, uh, pretty much cruising their way with the big win there. Um, we already had the start of the second division for this week. We had a match on uh, Thursday. Uh, Kazepia uh, beating uh, Varzim one to nothing. So Kazepia right now automatically jumps to first place. Um, and pay attention to that, sporting fans, because you're going to be playing them coming up here in uh, you know a few weeks for the Tasa de Portugal. And right now they are the best team uh, in the second uh, division. But um, a lot of good matches this week. Uh, Benfica B is hosting Rio Ave in a battle of uh, second. A place versus uh, fourth place teams in the second division. Uh, FC Porto B will be playing Les Chouins. FC Porto B hasn't lost, I believe, any matches at home. I think they've been playing all their matches at Olival. Uh, so that's apparently been a, a bit of a good luck for them. But uh, FC Porto B will be hosting Les Chouins in a battle of two teams from the uh, same uh, region. Uh, Academica last week. Academica last week picked up their first win of the season. They just got a new manager. And even though they're still at the bottom with five points and they got a lot of work to do to get out of the bottom, uh, it was really nice to see Academica. Academica, big city team from Coimbra. It just amazes me that they're in the position where they may be relegated to the uh, third division, the Liga de Campeonato. Uh, that just absolutely amazes me. So uh, a lot of matches on Saturday and uh, Sunday. Uh, very interesting match also. We've got, uh, where are they, Fade Ants. Uh, Villa Frokens and Fade Ants is another very good match this weekend. Uh, Fade Ants right now in uh, third place. Uh, and this is, of course, the Fade Ants from Santa Maria the Feda. So a lot of good matches there with the uh, second division uh, report. Well, let me go to my picks. Um, well, last week I had three picks, or when I did my podcast two episodes ago, two weeks ago, and I was correct in two out of the three, so my season percentage 
is at 66%, so nothing changed between uh, the previous week. Um, I basically uh, predicted, um, I don't even have my sheet here, but I got two of the three teams wrong. I predicted that Academica and Port FC Porto B would draw. FC Porto B wound up uh, winning. I predicted that uh, Benfica would beat Passos de Ferreira in the Taça de Portugal, and that's in fact what happened. Uh, so I got that right, and then I also got right uh, Braga beating a Santa Clara. Uh, so the only one I got wrong uh, was I predicted a draw with Academica FC Porto B, and FC Porto B won uh, two to one. So. My numbers right now, 33 correct, 17 incorrect, 66%. My goal is to be at 75% or more by the time I get to May. My picks for this weekend, I am picking uh, Passos, Vitoria Guimarães will draw. And my draw, uh, again, it, what's it matters if I predict they win, lose, or draw. But i also throwing in the result here for fun, and I'm predicting, uh, well, I'm predicting a draw, but I'm predicting the result will be 1-1, Passos and Vitoria Guimarães. Uh, Benfica B, Rio Ave are playing this weekend, as I said. Very good match. I'm going to predict a 2-2 draw in that match. Um, I'm going to predict Santa Clara will beat a Roca this weekend, and I predict Santa Clara will win 2-0. And then, of course, I've got to uh, give you the prediction for the Derby. And I'm going with Benfica will beat Sporting 2-0. Those are my four picks. Um, why am I picking Benfica over Sporting? No, it's not because Coates not playing or João Paulinho is not playing. Um, I just think Sporting, even though they're playing very good right now, and again, I've been right so far. They are playing like they're the best team in the Liga, in my opinion. But Benfica's playing at home. They just had an ugly week of news with regard to what happened in B-Side. They've got a big match coming up next Tuesday. And I think these players are going to be ready. I just, I just, I just have a feeling, but we'll see if I'm right. I might be wrong, and you might tell me to go, uh, you know, help help myself off because, you know, I'm going against your team Sporting. But that's just my prediction. So I'm predicting uh, Benfica will beat Sporting uh, two to nil. So again, Passos Guimarães draw, Benfica B Rio Ave draw. Predicting Santa Clara will beat Aroca, and I'm predicting that Benfica will beat Sporting in Friday's uh, derby. Uh, so we've got some pretty good stuff there. Um, all right, let me get to talking about the situation with uh, B-Side and Benfica. And um, last Friday, uh, I was very upset about the draw, which I'll talk about in a minute, the World Cup draw. But, um, you know, I started to hear reports that B-Side, I mean, we all did, you know, we all follow the same news, let's be honest with you. It's, it's all the same news. Match football, Abola, Record, Ojogu. Uh, CNN Portugal, which is a new thing, you know, TBI, Seek Noticias, you know, my football, Zero Zero. I mean, let's be honest with you. It's not like, you know, there's a lot of different sources. We're all getting it from the same place. And in this case, a lot of them were reporting that BSAT on Friday uh, was having cases. And uh, Saturday, uh, at least morning my time, the president of BSAT said that the match was going to go on. And that they had 38 players registered for the Liga. And as the day went along and the tests came back and they, the local health delegates got involved, it became obvious uh, when the lineups were put out, the fichas, I think it was something like an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff or right around an hour, I think it was the record that broke it first, that BSAD was only going to have nine players. And two of them were goalkeepers, which means one of them are going to have to play the field. And... 
you know, we all know what's happened. They played. It was embarrassing. The amount of news attention this got all over the world was embarrassing. I have friends who don't care about quote, where I live, soccer, who were taught telling me about it because they had heard about it in the news. And these are not people that go looking for soccer news. Trust me, the only thing they go looking for with football news is the football of the NFL or college football with them. Um, so this really made un very unfortunate news. And then since then, we've had situations where did the teams want to postpone it? Apparently they said no, but that's not what the Liga says. They never got a request to postpone. And I don't know what that means. Um, if I read correctly the story and if I saw an interview that apparently someone did tell the Liga by phone, but maybe it's got to be done on a, an online form or it's got to be done in fax with letterhead. I have no idea. Whatever happened was, and, and again, I'm, I don't want to talk about things because you've already heard it in the news in many places, the same stuff. So let me give you a few perspectives on this. When the lineup sheets came out, the fichas, and people saw right away, because it was reported right away by everyone, everyone couldn't believe it, that there would only be nine players playing. People should have realized in the Liga, in the whoever was working those games, television, that this was something that shouldn't have happened. That absolutely shouldn't have happened because, number one, statistically, and we and obviously it came to be with the fact that Benfica scored seven goals right off the bat with the known goal. You know, Darwin had a hat trick. Great striker. We know Benfica's going to sell him for a lot of money in the future. But he scored a hat trick. I mean, the kids, by the way, had a lot of braces in his career in Portugal. Um, but this time he had a hat trick. And you do not think that by the time you get to April and you got him, Diaz, Pote, perhaps some other players, maybe Lino or Gil Vicente, there's a few other guys that are in the hunt for the Liga scoring title. Um, you don't think that people are going to look at Darwin and wonder if three of his, let's say, 20 goals shouldn't have counted? You don't think people are going to question that and, and Befica fans are going to have to hear about that all the time? Um, and also just the fact that you had a team like Benfica, who, by the way, goes from playing... Barcelona goes from playing a Bayern Munich, you know, um, great result at home against Bastos de Ferreira, beat up on Braga a few weeks ago, and they go from a situation of playing high level, especially in the Champions League, to going to one of the iconic stadiums in Portugal and basically playing a team with nine players. And somehow nobody thought to say we can't play this match. People are saying regulations say it's got to happen because Benfica, first of all, shouldn't get the blame for any of this. I don't know why Benfica is getting criticism from anybody because had Benfica not failed to show up, they would have been docked points for not failing to show up to play. And apparently that is what the team said at the press conference is why they had to show up to play because they were worried about getting points taken away because there's a fault of the competencia. Probably not saying that right, but that's the word that's used in uh, Portuguese and you know what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, this match shouldn't have happened. There was nothing good about playing this match. And all it did was embarrass the Liga. This is a Liga that lately we've had Buscas. We, we saw the thing with Benfica a few, a few months ago with Luis Felipe Vieira. Porto and Pinto de Costa and others have been in the news this week. We even saw Buscas with teams like Braga and Guimarães and I think Tundela. Agents have been the subject of, you know, searches as well. And by the way, let's be fair to these people. That's all it is right now is looking into things and asking for papers. Nobody, you know, has, you know, nothing bad has happened yet. It's just going through that process. 
But at the end of the day, it makes news. And this game should not have happened. And it should have happened not because of regulations, not because people wanted to play on it. It shouldn't have happened because of common sense. And the amount of attention, you know, I talked about this a few weeks, uh, three months ago on a podcast. I talked about this, about how in Portugal do people understand that we no longer live in a world where, you know, 25, 30 years ago, much younger when I was first getting into all this, if I got a Portuguese newspaper that was three or four days old to see what was going on in Portugal, I mean, you could always get the results, but you couldn't really get the details. Uh, to me, back then, getting a newspaper three or four days old was gold. It was gold in my neighborhood. Gold because, you know, unless you had shortwave radio, and back then the satellite, at least where I was living with my cable system, definitely didn't show any Portuguese TV. Uh, and I live in a big city. Um, it was just tough. It was tough. And news traveled very slowly. But as we've seen over the years, because of social media and because of the 24-hour news, because there's a lot more 24-hour news stations now than there were 20, 25, 30 years ago, at least in Portugal, um, news travels fast. And by the time Benfica was up three or four nothing, there were a lot of people on social media already criticizing this. And, you know, I talked about this when I, about three months ago where, you know, and I talked about this, if you remember, like Vita Pereira, who's managing now in uh, Fenerbahce in Turkey. He supposedly is on the hot seat. He may lose his job. I guess there was a fan in the stands that kept screaming to him, 442. And for whatever reason, Vitor Pereira decided to acknowledge the fan and tell him to be quiet. And that got on social media and went viral. And then you had that same week, which is why I talked about it in that episode again, going back to August, where JJ was talking about how everything Benfica or him says gets blown out of proportion. And he kept saying, bleep, 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 bleep. Bleep, 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 bleep. And that made its rounds on social media because people love to talk the way he talks. Sometimes he gets his words mixed up and, and things like that. And I said that, doesn't anybody train these guys to understand that their actions, people pay attention to it and it could go viral on social media. And, and that's another element to this. No one thought about the repercussions of putting a first division Portuguese match with just, 11, with just nine players. And then they come out at halftime. And by the way, give a lot of credit to Nino Torres at Gold TV, which is how I watched the uh, match here in, the, in the, uh, the States. You know, he, he was wondering if Belenenses, if Abisad was going to come out for the second half. And he was right. He got it right. Eventually, you know, that player went down and they had to stop the match. Big credit to Nino Torres. I love to give people credit that predict things and that say things the first because they deserve to get that credit. And they deserve, he deserves a lot of credit. But it's just an embarrassment for the way it ended. Now, B-side players want a replay, and that could happen. That may happen. Because I think people want the fact that this match to be played in real circumstances. 11 on 11. And a match that truly is no different than any other match in the Liga with 11 on 11. Both teams playing their best players, or at least their players that aren't injured. And no other circumstances involved. Just the two teams playing soccer football to decide who's going to win. And that might happen. Um, again, as I'm recording this episode, it, ha it doesn't. This is not something, by the way, we always complain about the wheels of justice in Portugal take forever. They can't take forever on this. They've got to make a decision soon. I'll say right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they do replay it. I know it's going to upset a lot of uh, Benfica fans. Benfica fans like to talk about what happened with Nacional this year, and, and they're kind of right. I think there was something like players and staff, 27, 28 people out with COVID isolation and COVID protocols, but Benfica still had to play. But let's not forget, the reason why they had to play wasn't because they were forced to play. 
Nacional didn't agree to, to reschedule. I mean, let's get the facts right. Uh, I talked about this also on an episode, if you want to scroll back, last uh, January and February, I talked about how Nacional didn't want to reschedule, and I think it was a little bit of payback from the fact that a few years before that, Nacional uh, was forced to play a game, reschedule a game with Benfica the next day, and then 48 hours later, they had to play a cup game, and they were trying to reschedule so they could have at least three days in between matches, but Benfica didn't agree to it, and there was a whole thing about how payback, but let's let's not forget that, though, with that. But at the end of the day, Benfica did play, I think they draw, there was, I think, 0-0, bad result, and and you know, the rest is history about what happened with Benfica the uh, rest of the way. And I know people talk about Sporting Setubo last year, which I believe had to do more with the flu. But there have been matches that have been postponed, and why this one wasn't postponed, we don't know. Unfortunately, the one thing we don't have in Portugal um, is we don't have independent investigations. Like, somebody that's trusted to interview everybody, to read all the reports, to see all the video behind the scenes, and make a decision that, okay, this is what happened, and this is who deserves blame. Unfortunately, the the tribalism in Portugal, the 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 disappointment, the arguments that people have, don't allow people to feel like you could ever do anything fairly. So as a result, uh, we'll wait to see if they replay the match, and that's going to create its own controversy. And by the way, if they didn't play the match, you know what people were going to say? It would have been less of a controversy. Sporting fans would have been upset because Benfica would have had all this extra rest before the derby. People would have said, well, last year these teams were forced to play. Um, you know, why couldn't they play? It would have been another set of things, except the only difference is it probably wouldn't have been discussed too much outside of Portugal. So I think, uh, the, you know, it, it just was a very, it was a bad decision. It was a bad decision to play that match. I agree with Rui Costa. It was a dark day, a dark page, whatever you want to say. Uh, for Portuguese football, Portuguese soccer, and we'll see. Um, I think they need to replay it. It needs to be played under better circumstances, and I think it needs to be fair and square because otherwise, you know, if this if this continues and you get down to the Liga being decided by two or three points, it's just going to create another uh, form of uh, controversy, in my opinion. Uh, World Cup draw. Um, not happy with it. I know everybody's thinking of Italy, but I'm also just as worried about Turkey. Turkey's been playing very well, even though we seem to have a lot of success with them, and we always talk about uh, how much Turkish play uh, clubs like Portuguese players. We got to be very careful and not look ahead to Italy, and we got to be worrying as much about Turkey as much as possible. Uh, there was a report this week that uh, the Greek national team, Greece, their president was very interested in Fernando Santos, and so many people got excited. Oh, take them, you know. The only thing is, is yeah, I think it would be great if Fernando Santos left and we got a new manager. But I'm also, when I do this, I want to be realistic. And um, he's not leaving under these circumstances. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's not going to leave and quit in these circumstances. And I just think it's a pipe dream for anybody who thinks that he's going to leave right now. And right now, instead of complaining, I think this team needs their support. Um, one of the things that I don't like about the national team is we had a bunch of players this week, did awesome. Ruben Diaz, Bernardo Silva, what a goal. We had a whole bunch of players this week, uh, you know, throughout Europe scoring goals. Bernardo uh, Bruno Fernandez scored as well against Arsenal to, you know, thank you very much, Bruno, to feed my Arsenal. By the way, that is the team I like. People always ask me who I like. Well, that's the team I like. I'm being honest. I don't care. But um, it's just always a thing to see Jota score. And then we have to think back to when these guys get together. 
um, we're in the situation where we're in. And I think that's very fair. I'm sorry, that's just fair to say. It's just fair to say that if you're doing so well in the EPL and other leagues in Europe, you know, Andre Silva scoring, I mean, guys, uh, we, we need some of that when you put on the Silicone jersey and, and we need some of that and we need it fast because we cannot afford to play Turkey the way we played against Ireland because the Turkish will punish us and then we got to play Italy. And by the way, it's sad that it's worked out this way. Italy and Portugal both deserve to be in the World Cup. But look, they created their fate. This is what they've got to deal with. And, you know, there's nothing that they can uh, do about it. Um, now we just have to, like I said, we got to win. This is great television. If Portugal does play Italy, it's going to be great television. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's on not only every channel around the world, but, you know, it's going to be very high. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the high, highest watch matches of the year. I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. So uh, let me end this episode here. I um, want to give a shout-out to my hometown team from Atletico do Jarcos. Big win at Cardin Lens, 2-1. to one. They are top of their group now with 23 points, four points more than Valenciano and Cardin Lens, who each have 19 points. So uh, the goal is to finish in the top. Then they go into the playoff later. And from that, that's who decides that goes to the fourth division. Um, by the way, good news. I'm sorry to say this, but Punta Barca, which is the next door team, the rival, uh, are at seventh place with 12 points. So for all you Punta Barca fans that like to hit up on me on social media, well, there you go. You guys are trailing us by 11 points. So there you go. Folks, I'm going to wrap up another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast, podcast episode number 95. Glad to be back after taking a week off. I needed the uh, break, and I think I came back a little bit refreshed. Um, had a bad cough a few weeks ago. I think that might have come through on the last episode, but don't worry. It was nothing like that. Uh, but today, obviously, I think I'm sounding a little bit better, and uh, another reason why I also decided to take a, a week off. But Liga B win this weekend with the Derby. Uh, Braga, Estoril, good matches in the second division. Uh, Champions League next week. Let's go Porto Benfica. We want Sporting to get some points in uh, Amsterdam and uh, against Ajax. Obviously, we're looking for, for Braga to advance. We want our four Portuguese teams left in Europe to be playing, three of them to be playing the Champions League, and we want the other one to still be playing in Europa. Uh, we don't want anybody eliminated. We don't want anybody playing in Europa, you know, anybody more playing in Europa, I should say. You know, Braga is fine. But uh, a lot of good football, and again, Next week, it's going to be very, very nerve-wracking, and um, I'm looking forward uh, to the match on uh, Wednesday. I'm going to, uh, you know, look really looking forward to that. But anyway, I'm going to wrap up episode 95. Uh, take care of yourselves. I know in Portugal, they're uh, bringing back some restrictions. I know in the Liga, I think if you have a match that's above 5,000, you have to test as well as show your vaccination, anything less than 5,000. Um, you have to basically just show your vaccination card. And I think a number of the smaller clubs in Portugal are capping their attendances at 5,000 so that fans don't have to show the negative test. And it's not so much that they're trying to avoid the fans showing a negative test. I just think right now, talking to some of, to some of my cousins, especially the ones that wanted to go to the Derby, um, especially uh, some of the ones from my cousins that were up in Arx de Valvias, uh, that wanted to go to the uh, Braga game against Estoril, um, I'm hearing that uh, testing is overloaded right now and it's just really hard to uh, get tests. So uh, I think somebody said it's easier to get a booster shot in some places than it is to get tested. So I'm not really sure how that works. But um, hey, 
yeah, cases are rising. Please take care of yourselves. And look forward to coming back next week to talk about the Derby, to talk about the Champions League, talk about next weekend's uh, matchups. Next weekend, by the way, we are going to have uh, Familia Kong, Benfica, Porto's home to Braga. So right off the bat, that's your highlight match uh, for next week. We got Sporting at home to Boa Vista with Petit. Uh, that'll be Petit's second um, match as manager of Boa Vista. Uh, and we've got some other pretty good matches. Maritimo, Santa Clara, uh, Moreirense, Portimonense, uh, Vitoria Guimarães, Tundela. Um, and I think one of those matches, I think I don't know if it's Tundela or Bisad, may be at risk to be missed too, but we'll see, and I'll report that on PortugueseSoccer.com. Anyway, folks, take care of yourself. I'll talk to you next time. Ciao.